Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, hello, Dirtfish Rally friends, and welcome to Spin the Rally Pod. My name is Colin Clark. It's a bit of a sombre day for the Dirtfish community, I'd have to say. We're here in New England for the New England Forest Rally. I'm joined by Brenton Kelly, one of our instructors at Dirtfish. Brenton, it is good to have you along on this podcast, I'd have to say. Yeah, thank you for uh, having me on. Yeah, and also by one of our senior instructors from Dirtfish, Jack Harrison. Uh, Boys, um, where do we start? I think we've really got to start by paying tribute to to Erin, Erin Kelly, who lost her life, sadly, on stage five of this rally. It was a terrible, terrible tragedy and a blow. And, you know, any loss in rallying is a terrible tragedy. But Erin was, she was a, a shining light, I'd have to say, listen, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I knew Erin at all, but I'd spoken to her with yourself, Brenton, three times on Friday. And you know, before, as we, as we left that stage, you felt there was a connection with those two because they were just having so much fun, enjoying themselves so much. TJ Pullen and Erin enjoying themselves so much. And you know, clearly they were a team. And at the time I didn't know it, but They've they've never rallied with anyone else. You know, Aaron has always rallied with TJ. TJ has always rallied with Aaron, and it was an absolute joy to see how much they were getting out of the rallying together, how much they were putting into rallying. You could see that just in the the brief interchanges that I had with them. But you know, it's 24 hours now, but more since the accident and the outpouring of grief within the rallying community here has been quite quite humbling to see Uh, and it really does for me it reinforces just the regard with which uh, Erin was held in Uh, she really was a you know one of one of the 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 brightest lights within the community and you knew her well didn't you and you'd you'd uh, you'd worked with her in the past you'd competed against them in the past yeah yeah I've known Erin for quite a few years and she was uh, kind of a big fan of what I was doing when she was getting into rally and uh it always let me know that in the beginning um and she, you know, like you said, was a, a very big part of the community. Uh, got into the the sport pretty quickly, and and got into the community very fast. And mm-hmm. it was a, like you said, a shining light. I don't think I've ever seen her at a rally not smiling. You know, always having a good time. Uh, very involved with everyone and everything, and had such passion for what what she did. Uh, her and TJ were such a great team, and you know, pulling away rally team, such yeah. a such a cool name, and That's a cool name, always competing together was just a a, a great thing to. To see, you know, yeah. being together for that long, you know, having a couple of wins last year at some rallies and, you know, progressing through the years, it was uh, awesome to see. And they just had such joy. You know, TJ, like you said, talking to him uh, after some of the stages on Concord Pond, you know, a couple of the cars, have, you know, yeah. different vibes coming out. But TJ was all, all smiles and such joy talking to them immediately. Yeah. You could yeah. tell they just were ha- having a great time. They really were having a great time. Yeah, it was... Uh, you know, I could remember the quote at the end of the day when he was talking about it's pulling like a steam train. You know, they were absolutely going for it out there and having fun. Jack, obviously, you know, we we were there in the service park yesterday morning when the rally was cancelled. 
and it was the community, it was the rallying community that decided on that, wasn't it? And it really, you know, that's what rallying is about here in, in America. You know, you have such a tremendously close-knit community and there was really no question about it being cancelled as far as the drivers and co-drivers were concerned. Um, it was a very, very heavy mood. Uh, yeah, just heading in uh, <clears throat> prior to the drivers' meeting, you, there was a wait around. Um, you could tell drivers were withdrawing even before going to the meeting and the briefing about it. Um, rallying in the US is still a very niche sport, and so the communities are, are very tightly bound. Like they're more the competitors. Uh, the majority of the time, they're your friends. You've been communicating with them online. You've been meeting up even just casually to talk about rallying, um, work on cars. So having a loss like this in the community, you could feel right away. Like uh, it was a, a showing of support amongst the drivers and the teams that like, no, this we're we're going to be stopping for yeah. for this. Absolutely, yeah, it was felt very, very deeply indeed. So, you know, it, it goes without saying that everyone at Dartfish sends their their deepest condolences to to Aaron's family, particularly to her husband. And you know, we are here for the uh, the rallying community should they need us. Obviously, I don't know what we can do, but if we can do anything at all. Uh, feel uh, absolutely free to reach out to anyone at Dartfish because we're here for you. Um, boys, yeah, sadly, um, we will... Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we wish, obviously, TJ a speedy recovery as well because um, by the sound of things, he's OK. He's out of hospital, we hear. Uh, but hopefully we'll see TJ again and we'll... You know, in the future, when we get the time, the time is right, we will maybe go around the service park and get some of those stories because there are some great stories about Aaron and TJ rallying together. So we'll, we'll, we'll do a little tribute programme at some point in the future when the time is right. I think right now it's all far too raw, isn't it, really? Yeah. yeah. Good. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of, lot of stories and stuff getting posted already. Yeah. It's kind of took a day or two for everyone to realise it, but starting to see a lot of the, the importance and how, how, uh, how much she meant to everyone, you know? She, like I said, was never, never didn't have a smile on her face yeah. and had such passion for everything she did. Um, you know, I used to joke with her. She had worked with animals, and yeah. a couple of times she'd posted some raccoons, and I joked with her about, you know, wanting to get me a pet raccoon. And then <laughs> for the, you know, the next couple of years, she'd always be sending me pictures of the raccoons wow. as, uh, yeah. as they came in, and she'd work with them. And, uh, you know, just showed the, the passion she had for rally, the passion she had for animals and gardening and uh, everything she did. She went into it with a, a passion and a smile and was such a joyous person, you know. It was yeah. uh, a big part of the community. Yeah, it'll be very deeply felt for a very long time, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, our deepest condolences to, to Aaron's family and a very, very speedy recovery to TJ. Moving on, though, gentlemen, uh, we've obviously got coming up this week, we have Estonia, Rally Estonia, which is going to be interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit first about the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Uh, Goodwood Fest, have either of you boys been to Goodwood in the past? I have not. What about you, Jack? I have not either, but I've been watching it since I was a kid. Yeah. And so uh, very excited to see it going on and seeing, seeing the Dirtfish name out there, honestly. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, Dirtfish have been a big part of the rally stage this weekend. You know, Goodwood is one of those festivals which uh, just grows and grows and grows every year. You know, we used to have a motorsport, not a motorsport show, a motor show, you know, the, the, at the start of every year in the UK, but like the Geneva Motorsport Motor Show, you'd have the London Motor Show. Um, that's, that's gone by the wayside partly because Goodwood has become such a popular option for motor manufacturers to display their latest cars, their latest prototypes, whatever it might be. And it's become enormous. And the rallying element of Goodwood over the years has grown. And do you know, I'd have to say, you know, a couple of times I've been up there and it's been a little disappointing. You know, we've not, we've not had perhaps the turnout, the variety of rally cars that you would like to see. 
Uh, but this year, my goodness me, you know, we've had dirtfish there. Steve Rimmer's been there, uh, our, our owner, um, with some of his magnificent cars. On top of that, we've had the M Sport Ford World, World Rally Team, Hyundai are there, Toyota are there with their hydrogen car. I think I saw Mr. Bean in a in the yeah, hydrogen yeah. car, Rowan Atkinson, um, <laughs> at one point. It's so important, isn't it, that for rallying? We, we talked about rallying. Sadly, earlier on, being a niche sport here, it is a niche sport in, in, in many, many countries. So important that where there are young people who are interested in motorsport, that rallying goes in and, and, you know, and shows itself and says, yeah, hang on, you know, yeah, Formula One might be on Netflix, but have a look at what we're doing. Really important that we were represented at these shows. Yeah, it's great to see, you know, Subaru made an appearance there with uh, Travis Pastrana and the Gymkhana car. It's uh Great to see things like that happening to kind of tie back into rally. You know, it's not necessarily a rally car. It's a kind of a purpose-built wild Gymkhana-type situation car with all the, the active arrow and stuff like that. But bringing in new fans to the sport and getting Travis out there in the mix with the rest of the rally cars is, is great to see. Yeah, and you know what? You, you worked with, with Kane for a number of years. Ken Block loved Goodwood. He absolutely loved it. He loved the opportunity. He was a showman. There's no question. Ken was the ultimate motorsport showman. Uh, and Goodwood is just such an opportunity for showmen to show off. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, anytime Ken got a chance to get in the car and, and have a good time, he was always excited. You know, that, yeah. that was his passion, was the actual driving, you know. Um, sometimes the events were just you know, another opportunity for him to be able to get in the car and do what he loved and you know he had a plenty of opportunities there to do that and you know kill some tires make some smoke make some fans happy uh i unfortunately didn't get a chance to to go with him to the event but uh yeah he uh, loved it and made oh it he was a me times. i tell you i was there a couple of times when he was there and he was an absolute megastar he couldn't walk anywhere but jack you know we we talked about dirtfish being there we're well represented this year it, you know we are very fortunate in that you know, as a boss, Steve Rimmer is the world's biggest rally fan. Yes. And he loves these rally cars. You've been fortunate. You've sat in a few of them. Have you, have you been able to drive any of them? I have not been able to drive any in anger. Um, I have, though, had the opportunity to just back up and help move a Lancia 037 That's uh, a few years ago. I, I, would, oh. I would happily. That, that would be enough for me. I'd retire at that point. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much where I was at. It was, uh, I think, Olympus in, like, 2016 or 2017, where we had a, a little, like, service park area. And we were doing a little car show out in front. And uh, it was as much as, like, getting into the trailer. Hey, hop in that, pop it in reverse, back it off. And that uh, I've been riding that high for yeah. years. It's uh, <laughs> one of my absolute favorite cars of all time. Yeah, Steve's got quite a few cars, hasn't he? And, he? and he kind of splits them between the States and the UK. We are very, very lucky. You know, we have something called Rally Day in the UK, which, which is a great event. And it's, it's a grassroots-style event. But, you know... Dirtfish going along, we weren't there this year, but in previous years, Dirtfish going along with Steve's collection has just lifted it to a different level. And it, it is the great thing about Steve Rimmer is that these cars are not just to be locked away and put behind you know, locked doors. He loves people actually seeing them, appreciating them, sitting in them, touching them, getting their photos with them. He's a very generous man in that regard, isn't he? Uh, he really is. Like, I'm, I don't know if anyone's seen any of the videos of the the, the car collection that we have and uh, what he's been around. But all these cars run. They're yeah. they're kept in pristine condition. Um, been fortunate enough to work with uh, the some of the crews and teams that yeah. are, are keeping them operating. And he'll bring them out. Uh, we're, we're lucky enough at Dirtfish that he'll come bring them through. Like, hey, we've just put a new transmission in, uh, you know, uh, in, the, in the Peugeot and have a look at this thing. And I think um, the the Peugeot is actually at. Goodwood this weekend as well. There's, there's a 205. Is, yeah. that, is, that, is that one of the, Steve's new ones? Or is it the one that he's had for a while? I believe so. I know he, he has had 
one for a little bit here yeah. in the States, but I'm, I'm not 100% certain it's the same one, but I know he's been... I, I think it might be the new one, the one that's got, that's, that's a really, really special one. They're all special, right? They're all absolutely... Just a quick word, you were talking about the cars being driven there. Quick word for, and apologies, I can't remember his name, the lovely Englishman from East Anglia, I think, that looks after the cars down at Steve's collection. That, uh, what's his name? With, with, with the bonkers dog. Sean Redcroft? Sean. Yes. Sean, what, what a clever guy he is. Yeah. He can work on just about anything, can't he? It's incredible. Yeah, you know, Sean's been uh, involved with the sport for such a long time. Yeah. I've known him for, you know, 10, 12 years or something yeah. now. And uh, he, even before he was working exclusively with Dirtfish, he was known as, you know, the, the specialty guy for a lot of very yeah. unique cars. And um, it's a great opportunity for him to yeah. be able to double down on his passion and work on a lot of Steve's cars and maintain them. I talk to Sean quite often about, you know, sourcing very unique parts. It's a, it's so cool to hear the, the levels that they go to to make sure these cars are fairly accurate and specific, yeah. but also maintained and running. It's yeah. not just we're going to dress them up and park them for shows, but it. it's That's able it. to run them and, and go hard on and yeah. get them driven in anger, which is great to see. It's an incredible job he does because some of these cars, particularly the Group B cars, are technically so complex. Yeah. But he manages to get his head around it. And, you know, and if he has to innovate a little bit and maybe you know, fabricate his own parts. He's, he's on top of all that as well. He's exactly the guy you need for that type of collection. Um, I really enjoyed meeting him and his bonkers dog. He, uh, he even works on that same sort of, like, passion and knowledge with rallying in, like, his own personal collection, even yeah. outside of Steve's stuff. I know one of his last big projects was a 1992 um, Sapphire Cosworth. Right. Uh, but it was the car that won the Turkish rally, or the European uh, version of the Turkish rally in 92. Right. Right. And it was up and running, got it all fired up, got it stage ready again, and then raced it in anger oh, as well. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, Goodwood was, was, was great this year. Uh, you know, some wonderful cars this side of the pond in America, but we, we saw the best of Steve's collection at Goodwood. Um, McRae Subarus, I think there was a legacy as well there, wasn't there? Yeah. Max McRae driving a few of them as well. Would you let uh, I think he drove a few of them last year. How old is he? 19 or something? Right. It's very trusting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just very trusting. 19. Well, I've seen him drive at Velocity last year, uh, going oh. uh, at Laguna and taking him uh, through through the corkscrew. Of all the 19-year-olds to trust driving a car like that, Max is pretty high on the list. Yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's 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 really uh, not fair of me. Max McRae, I've, I've watched him in stages. <laughs> he is, he's, a, he's a little bit special. He really is a little bit special. Uh, so Goodwood, yeah, re really important and great to see. It was unfortunately cancelled Saturday, but... Um, what would be the equivalent over here, boys? Is there an equivalent to Goodwood? Is it something that they're looking to build? Or you talk about Laguna Seca. There was there was an event there, wasn't there? there yeah. Was... So Velocity last year, I think, is a sort of a newish event that's sort of trying to bring that same sort of mentality and vibe of uh, you know these classic motorsports cars, whether it was rally specific or GT specific or or, or Formula One. Um, but we really don't have an equivalent, and uh, even worldwide, it seems that sort of Goodwood stands alone. I know I've grown up sort of being a fan of. Uh, just leaving the live stream on and seeing this wonderful collection of engineering and cars over the years combined with legitimate racing on the hill climb uh, or legitimate racing on the uh, on the stages as well so having such a mix of uh, everything great about like autosport just in general it's it kind of stands alone in there. But, but it does and it, 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 it people come from worldwide to attend goodwood i've got a lot of friends that have come over from australia this week um you know they build it into their itineraries their agendas and you know, it really is. It is the standout event, isn't it? Uh, just, just very quickly, boys, uh, talking about Steve's collection. Favourite car? Oh. Um, right now, it's probably the uh, Tommy Mackinnon Subaru Impreza. Um, first time that rolled in, 
like there's still cards in his collection they come through and I, I can't believe I get to see this car like like I said I, I had posters of this up on my wall and here it is and he's like yeah you can go ahead and sit in it wow. like oh special so probably that or so just which one is that that's the 2002 car 2003 I think it's the 2003 car right. yeah. do you know what I've got do you know what I own what statutes of limitations in the states 20 years is that enough, is that enough? Uh, something like that <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I have I have the bumper of that car from the very last event it did at Wales Rally GB in 2003 and the registration is TM Tommy McKinnon actually would have been 02 02 SSS 555 oh cool so I was given that I was involved at the time with the sponsors and I was given that as a, a parting present from the, he knocked it off I think in Margham Park and they retrieved it uh, and it's it's, uh, it's well it's in a museum in, in Holland just now, but it's still very much mine. Yeah, I didn't That's steal awesome. it. Honestly, I didn't steal <laughs> yes. it. I was, I was given it. Something else I might have acquired, but yeah. it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Uh, Brenton, your your favorite car? Uh, I'd have to say the Burns car. You know, like yeah. Jack was talking, I, I had the opportunity to. I wouldn't say drive it, but uh, we brought it in and out of the school to put in the showroom a couple years back, and I had the opportunity to sit in the driver's seat and steer the wheel a little bit as we pushed it into the lobby and that was eye-opening just you know being behind the wheel of that thing it's uh, something you know i've read all the richard burns books and i was a big fan of his style and everything he did um i'd say that's probably the my favorite car but also i'm kind of torn with the rs200 yeah that's a beaut isn't it it's such a rare one Yeah. yeah Yeah, they, I think he's got the evil one now because he's had yeah. a few different ones, and I think it's the evil one he's got now, right? Yep. So I'm I'm torn between two, torn between two because I, you know I'm anyone that knows me knows that I've got a slightly different style, so my eye for for things that are beautiful might be different from yours, Brenton, or from yours, Jack. The Citroen, the BX, oh really? The homologation special, I think, is just an absolute object of beauty, an absolute object of beauty. <laughs> but the other one that I grew up just desperate to own, and I own one for three months, and then I split up with the girl who really owned it, and she took it with her. It was a very sad day. It wasn't one of the sad days she left, it was a sad day she took the guard keys with her. The 205 GTI homologation special, now I think Steve's got a couple of them, hasn't he? But I remember going into the the workshop with Sean and just literally stopping in my tracks at that car. It was just like, if I ever ever win the lottery, I might make Steve a little offer on that one. <laughs> that would be the only one. But it is a wonderful collection, and it is great that so many people... And by the way, do you know what? Um, anyone who's listening, uh, you know, if you're ever on the west coast of the States and you ever find yourself near Seattle, come and see us at Dirtfish, and don't feel shy to ask to go and see Steve's cars, because, you know, if it's convenient and if Sean's around and if there's someone to take you down there... Um, Steve loves people coming and appreciating the collection that he's got. So, yeah, give us a shout. You know, we are not far. How far from Seattle are we, boys? About an hour? Not even that. Not yeah, even. Less yeah. than that. Snowqualmie. Yep. I love that name. I really do. Do you know what? Do you know what's very odd? This week, do you know my boss when I was at BAT posted pictures on Facebook from Snowqualmie Falls? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very famous, right? Well, yeah, but but he's an Italian and he lives in London and all of a sudden he's in Snoqualmie Falls. So, yeah, if you're ever in that part of the world, folks, do let us know. We love to see Dirtfish friends, Dirtfish fans, and uh, if you're lucky, you might get to see some of the cars. So that was Goodwood this week. Next week, boys, we head to Estonia. WRC. It's been quite a long break, hasn't it, since... Yeah, three, four weeks. And by the way, where is your good luck? Charm bracelet, Brenton. He's got it's it in his pocket. pocket. So I, I've, I've brought back... <laughs> it was catching my jacket. It was catching, I'm, I'm slipping it on. I, I know this is an audio podcast, but I, I, um, I found these wonderful 
good luck bracelets in Kenya. And they're wonderful because they're, they're, they're dirt fish orange with the Kenyan flag running uh, laterally around the band. And I just love them. I gave Brenton one and he put it in his pocket. I wore it the whole event. Uh, now, there is one for you as well, Jack. There is one for you. Oh, I'm In fact, it. there's a whole bag that I'm giving to you to take back to Dirtfish. Uh, and it's, it won't be your choice who gets them, but, but you guys can decide between yourself. Maybe paying our wonderful photographer this weekend might want one as well. Yeah. Sitting very, very quietly in the corner. Um, yeah, it has been a long time. I think it's six weeks, isn't it? Five or six weeks, uh, which is quite a long time for a break. But we go in now to a couple of really fast rallies. We go into Estonia, which we know is quick, and then the quickest of the rallies, we go to Finland. Um, let's talk a little bit about Thierry Neuville, because Neuville, oh, I mean, you know, Kenya couldn't have gone any worse for him. Um, I don't think we need to talk about why he was excluded, other than to, other than to say, you know, it, it was nuts, in my view, completely nuts. You know, rallying is, there is nothing, you know, drink driving is a terrible thing. Um, there are things you don't do in life, you know, because they're just not acceptable. Uh, and illegal wrecking is one of them in rallying. It is almost the most heinous crime in rallying. Is that just about right? You I, know? I think it's one of the most brazen. <laughs> yeah, one of the most brazen. Uh, but anyway, but we'll move on from that. And we'll say that Thierry Neville now has in, an enormous job to do if he is to win the title this year. And you know what? Hyundai put all their eggs in one basket, which you can understand at the start of the year. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Esapeka was an unknown quantity, but he was definitely an unknown quantity in that car because we've seen very, very good drivers coming to Hyundai and struggling to master the Hyundai World Rally car or Rally One car as it is this year. So you can understand that policy at the start of the year. Uh, but it's now going to be hard. He's a long way behind. He's got two rallies he doesn't like in front of him. Um, how does he change it around, Brenton? He's, he, he's not had... A podium finish in Finland. Okay, we go to Estonia first. In Finland, since I think 2013 or 2014, he's been wo woeful in Finland. He did pick up a podium a few years ago, a couple of years ago in Estonia. But it seems to have got into his head. You know, and as a driver, and you've enjoyed the degree of success as a driver, Brenton. As a driver, do certain rallies get into your head where you almost go there thinking, I don't know how I'm going to drive this. Or I don't know how I'm going to win it. Yeah, it's definitely very easy to overthink some of those things coming into those rallies, especially if you know you certain little things you, you didn't like or enjoy and then you can kind of concentrate on those. But it, it takes a certain mindset to not think about that. But when you have everyone reminding you of it constantly, you know, that kind of thing, it's uh, you got you to get your head straight going into that kind of thing. Um, How important is that? How important you know, the mental aspect of rallying? Because I suspect our top four or five drivers in terms of ability, there are the finest of margins between them. And I think the difference, my view is the difference is made in the mind and the brain. I think Ogier is the most intelligent driver, the most strategic driver we have ever seen, even more so than Loeb. And I could talk, to that, uh, talk about that for a long time, but I think he is. Um, you know, so how important is that for Neuville to get over, to get over that sort of that mental hurdle that he set in front of himself? It's huge. Like you're saying, you know, you really got to think about that, but all it takes is that one first stage and to come off that first mm -hmm. stage, get it done and feel good about it. And that's gone. Yeah. You know, it, you can go into it. And if that first stage, sometimes it takes two or three stages, sometimes mm -hmm. you never get over it. And you're always feeling maybe a little numb in the car, a little mm -hmm. unhappy with the surface and how things are working a little bit, but it, it really only takes that one little bit to mm -hmm. 
get yourself in the positive mindset and say, okay, I can forget about everything. I can drive, do what I love doing, have fun with this, and, and keep it going. So, you know, we, we've read some reports that have come out of the test and, and you know, the Hyundai test area, the nominated test area. Remember, they only have so many days testing a year, the World Rally teams. But they have their nominated test areas and they can test as much as they like there. Uh, so they have been testing in Finland, Hyundai, ahead of this event. And Jack, we're hearing that he's had a positive test. Okay. That, that's a good start. But he needs to build on that, doesn't he? And as Ben has said, you know, that first stage, I think, could be the telling stage in Estonia. You know, if he finds a rhythm, if he's... You know, I've seen it before in Finland where he's been 15 seconds off on the opening stage. And at that point, you might as well go home, I guess, on these fast rallies. So important that he converts that positivity from the test into race form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brenton sort of hit the nail on the head when you first get in the car. Like, the, all of the stress goes away the moment you start driving, right? Um, if he can have this positivity coming from the test and some comfort into the car, sort of allow himself to stay relaxed for it. He knows that he's fast. He knows that it feels good. He knows that things are working out. Sort of trusting that. Just uh, go back to doing what he likes. Like you said, they're they're all at the absolute top level. And the more sort of flow and rhythm he can get in and sort of stay into that rhythm, that will carry into the speed. Uh, All it takes is one sort of moment of uncertainty in a corner where you think, I'll go a little faster. And if you haven't had that for miles prior you've just been feeling good feeling the rhythm and the moment you change that that that's when you you're gonna have an issue that's when you have an off so how important is it then that he perhaps just he's got you know you can't you keep doing the same thing you keep getting the same results right. you know and and for 10 years 11 years in finland he's been getting the wrong results you know, does he need to just say forget it all you know i've got these these settings forget it all i'm just going to go and have fun and see where it goes is it, is it as simple as that, or is, is that a little too simple, maybe? I, I don't know. Is there too much thought going into it? Is it just, right, let's just go for it, see where it takes us? It, it's easy to overthink it, like I was saying earlier. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've had some rallies where I've gone into and had a really great test, and then the first stage, I'm feeling the complete opposite. I, you know, I'm right. a little I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there, because that always bloody astonishes me. You know, you get drivers saying, you know, I have never felt better in the car. The test was unbelievable. They get into the first stage, and they're lost. Why does that happen? I think it's just a little bit of overconfidence. You know, you have a great test and you're feeling good about the car and then you get to the end of the first stage and you see the time and you're like, well, that's that doesn't match how I was feeling. You know, and, and that's that kind of thing. I've had a lot of rallies going into them where I have a test that I'm feeling frustrated and, and not working and then we get to the end of the first stage and you see the time and it's, whoa, that, that's way better. You know, maybe it's me in my own head and not necessarily overthinking the pace a little bit and knowing that the pace is there, yeah. I'm just maybe not feeling as comfortable as I thought I was going to feel in the car, but the time reflects that I, I am actually doing better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a rally Olympus a couple of years back. I finished the first stage with my co-driver, Niall Burns, and at the end of the stage, he came to, you know, we crossed the finish line, and he looks at me, and he says, man, you need to tidy up. You know, you're all over the place. You're all over the road. He's like, you're killing time. He gets out of the car, goes to the uh, couple cars ahead of us, comes back and he gives me a little bit of a look because he's passing the car, giving me a little bit of a nod. And I'm like, I'm not sure what to make of that. You know, I'm, I'm overthinking a little bit. I need to tidy it up. He comes back, sits down in the car. It doesn't say anything to me. He looks at me and just goes, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you know, we finished the top five at that yeah. stage. And it was yeah. just, uh, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things. Easy to overthink it. Yeah. But like I said, I wasn't comfortable going into that. But after we got the time, it's like, okay, you don't have to be comfortable. You know, I- I'm going to be fascinated to see how, Thierry gets on this weekend um, or this week. It's so important. You know, they can almost, if he doesn't get a result here, they can write off their chances. I think of a title, whether it's manufacturers or drivers this year, I think they can write it off. Um, so important, so much pressure on him. But likewise, let's talk about Robin Perrin. 
because Robin Perra uh, is on a bit of a roll just now. I get the feeling we're seeing a different Robin Perra this year. Don't forget, Robin Perra more or less had the championship won by this point last year. He was he was he was untouchable. He seems to have come in with a different attitude this year, and it's interesting. Uh, it's not a lazier attitude. It's not a I don't care so much attitude. It's just a more laid back attitude, um, and it might not quite be delivering the results that we saw from last year. But but right now for me, Robin Perra could well go to Finland. Yeah, we could come away from Finland, which is two rallies time, with an unassailable lead in the championship. But, but there was pressure on him last year at Finland. You know, he was the boy wonder. He's the greatest thing that we've had in rallying for years. And I think the pressure got to him in Finland last year. And, and he wasn't good in Finland. That was the only rally last year where he wasn't good. Obviously, he's got Estonia coming up this week to build towards it. Um, Jack, you know, you've seen a little bit of Robin Perra over the last couple of years. You've read lots about him. What do we reckon? Do we reckon he feels pressure? I think there's obviously something in the back of his mind where he's he is feeling pressure from it. There's a, so much to follow up from from such a dominant year um, uh, last season, where, it, like you said, he's almost wrapped up the championship going into this year. He he only has something to fail, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're entirely dominant or you're not. Even if you win the championship, people are then going to be talking that you're not as good. Um, just noticing his attitude in the interviews, how he talks or recognizes in the car, it seems like he's taken sort of a deliberate step back, where it is this more relaxed approach, whether it's sort of being a little bit more comfortable with him, sort of recognizing himself like, I'm fast, but maybe I'm not dominant fast all the time or can't sustain that. Yeah. So I don't have to sustain it. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it's, it's just managing, managing the approach, perhaps. Yep, you know? he's he's still in the title fight. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. he's still working for the front. He's still competitive. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe I don't need to be at this like a thousand percent every time. Yeah. You know, last year he was at times to interview. I, I wouldn't. He was never. He's never rude. He's never rude. But he was, and he's he's never as abrupt as say Tanak is. But but sometimes he was he was quite economical with right. his responses and. Do you know what I think? I think that was just the level of focus last year was phenomenal. He was absolutely focused on what he had to do. And don't forget, it was the first year of the Rally 1 cars. I think, I think those cars were, they were suiting him. Mm-hmm. He was young. He didn't have any preconceptions about what he could or couldn't drive, which I think is the issue one or two other drivers have. I think, again, when we talk mentally, it's got into their heads that they can't drive these cars. He never had that issue because yeah. he didn't have any preconceptions about what, what suited him and what didn't. Um, but this year... He's a joy. He's an absolute joy to talk to, you know, and, and you feel you can talk to him about just about anything. Um, is that a good thing? You know, does, does, you know, losing a little bit of that focus maybe? But then, but then, you know, that more relaxed, laid-back attitude, it pays, you know, pays dividends in other areas. I think there's, it takes away a lot of the, the, the intensity once you've won a championship, right? Knowing that you can do it, you have accomplished this. And you kind of see that you know, he is still competitive, he is still pushing hard, um, but he can sort of take a little bit of a breather. And to me, seeing that sort of attitude um, and being a bit more relaxed throughout the whole event, um, it is a more sustainable pace. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think yeah. it, it shows almost a little bit more maturity that this is someone who's looking to be competitive for the next five years, not someone who is looking to be competitive for the next two and then out. I'm going to disagree with you there. Really? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to disagree with is the five years. I don't think we're going to see him much beyond another two or three years. Really? Okay. I, don't, I think he's, he, he's, he's a young man who, who loves life. He, he absolutely loves life. He loves cars. He loves uh, his friends. He loves his community. Um, and I don't think he's going to get tied down to rallying for more than another two or three years. I think he'll be off. He'll be drifting. 
It'll be circuit racing. Who knows? You might find something else. Jetpacking. You know, did you see them racing at the Formula One yeah, event? Yeah, did you see the you one see motor that? go out and the yeah. guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows what Rob and Ferrer might find? But I'm, I'm enjoying I really am enjoying seeing him this year. I'm enjoying seeing his, his, the way he's driving. He's hardly made a mistake. He has been maybe not that just blindingly devastating speed that we saw last year that delivered all those results. Blindingly fast. But, um, but let's wait and see. Obviously, with Estonia coming up, a lot of us as well, boys, want to see Oit Tanak and M-Sport doing well. One of the greatest drives I have ever seen, ever seen, I've never seen anything like it, was Tanak in Finland last year. I have never seen a braver driver. Um, you know, a driver who knew his car was unpredictable, but drove through the unpredictability of the car, which you know, anyone who's driven a road car knows the minute, you know, you get a slight moment, it makes your heart, you know, speed up and you... you, you Sharp and take a breath, and it takes you a little while to get through it, and then you calm down and you throttle it back. Tanak didn't care about those moments in Finland last year. He just drove to him. He's the bravest of brave drivers. Um, he would love to be able to repeat that in Estonia this year. But what do we think? It's been a little bit of a long journey to get to where he wants to get to with M Sport. I, I don't quite think he's there yet. Brenton, what do we think? Yeah, and that, I... Uh, <laughs> there's a, a lot there, you know, I think he's going to have to keep working at it and uh, figure out exactly what he wants to accomplish and if he wants to keep attacking as hard as he, he did last year, like you're saying. Is, is he prepared to take those risks? He, he's got the speed. We know the car. The car's not set up, so the car can deliver speed, but not the speed he wants it to deliver, not in the way he wants it to deliver the speed. Not yet anyway. Um, they're working towards that. So he is going to have to adapt his driving style to extract the speed from that car on the fastest two rallies of the championship. Is that maybe a step too far to ask him to do that? I mean, sometimes that's the magic of it is, is changing your style up a little bit. And then, you know, it's like a light bulb moment where all of a sudden, you know, OK, I was doing this and it wasn't working. Yeah. And now I, I have to adapt what I'm doing to the way the car is actually set up. And maybe it will kind of work out magically for him in that way. So it, can't, it can't happen, can't it? You know, you can just have those light bulb moments. Yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that light bulb goes ping yeah. in Estonia. Because <laughs> Tanak, Tanak, for me, I, I love him. And he is difficult. He is difficult... I don't mind that. I don't mind that. And the story I always tell is the story of when I was a young lad, I was a huge golf fan, lived in Dundee. St Andrews was 10 miles away from where we lived. They had the 113th British Open in 84 at St Andrews. And myself and my brother went across to a friend's house, uh, dad's friends. We set up the tent in the garden. We camped for the whole week. We had the official programme. We got every single autograph. But the man we pursued around the course during the practice days was Seve Ballesteros. And you know what? He, he promised us he would give us to a whole lot of us kids. You know, behind the clubhouse, the RNA clubhouse, I'll be there 10 minutes after I finished, I'll sign some autographs. An hour later, he ran out the back into his car and off he went. <laughs> and at the time, at the time we thought, you are the biggest, you know, piece of in, in golf. You know, we, we all disliked him. We thought, how, how dare you? You know, everyone else, Arnold Palmer, nearly 80 years old, came out and spent half an hour signing autographs. But who won the British Open that year? Ballesteros. He won it. He won it. Who turned out to be probably the greatest ambassador the sport has ever had? One of the nicest guys in the sport, Ballesteros. And I kind of compare Tanak to Ballesteros in that Tanak, when he has his game face on, 
is just 110% focused. And any frivolity, anything that distracts him from that, any stupid questions, anything he's asked to do that's a bit silly, that's a bit extra, you know, he will cut you down because he does not want anything that takes away from his ability because he knows he's got to give 110%, particularly where he's at just now. So he's not prepared to put up with any nonsense around him. And I like that. I really like that. At times I don't, I don't like the way he behaves, but I like that attitude. What do we think? Right there with you. Um, long-time Oitanak fan. Um, seen in any of his interviews is cold-blooded. You can tell he's just <laughs> it's like... It's brutal, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> I just want to get back in the car, whether it's, you know, asking a question. I've run away. Yeah. I've run away before. I've run away. I've gone, right. help me to the other people around me. No one's asking any questions here. And yeah. I've been off. He's one of those terrifying. drivers which so consistently... Um, oh, during his time with Toyota, during his time with High and I, and even seeing it now with M Sport, the anytime he's behind the car, he's working to try and put exactly everything out of it. And like you said, that multiple times last year with High and I, he was absolutely full commit. You'd see like these incredible stage times. Um, no one is taking lines like him. He'd open up uh, and, and interview him afterwards. Says like, "How's the car? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so scared right now." But at no point did he back off uh, during any of it. So. Um, it's an interesting point you said about with uh, the M Sport, if, if he's going to be able to adjust his driving style to it, if there is something that he can um, like, sort of adjust to find that extra little bit of pace. Um, but if anyone's going to do it, I firmly believe it's all right. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think he is motivated to do particularly well in Estonia every year. He, he wants to win that one. Uh, fingers crossed, uh, you know, M Sport need, need a good result, and certainly Tanak needs a good result. Quick mention for one or two other drivers uh, Timo Sunanen, back in a world rally car for Estonia and then Finland, and I think it's Greece as well, isn't it? I can't remember. Certainly the, the two fast gravel ones. Uh, Sunanen, you know, we've seen him in a world car before. Um, you know, he, he had a, a fair go at it with M Sport. He's not driven a Rally 1 car competitively before. There's a lot of expectation on him this week and then in Finland in a few weeks. Again, we talk about mental preparation. It's, it's almost a mental preparation for, for Temo that's as important. We know he can drive. But mentally, can he deal with the pressure that's on him, the expectation that's on him? I think he can, but I'm going to, I'm going to reserve judgment on it. <laughs> I, I would agree. Uh, the best he can do is the best he can do at this point. Um, go out there, use the opportunity, push hard, um, keep, keep your head in the game throughout all of it. He's proved in some of the previous events how fast he can be. It was a real shame when, uh, when he lost his ride. Um, so seeing him back in, uh, I know there's a couple of uh, Sunan fans at uh, uh, Dirtfish. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm a Sunan fan, and I have to say, you know, Timo Yoki, who's Sunan's manager, Timo Yoki was more or less retired when he took on Sunan. And I spoke to him and I said, you know, what was it about Sunan that, that persuaded you almost to come out of retirement? Because he'd almost gone into retirement. Uh, expecting him to say, oh, I saw his results from, you know, such and such a rally, and he was just blindingly quick. He said, um, we did some mental assessments with him. Huh. This is apparently how Mr. Yogi operates. You know, before he before he considers any driver, he puts them through these these uh, what do you call those tests? You know, the, the mental aptitude type tests. Oh, sure. um, and he said the results were off the scale. Were off the scale. He said at that point, I wanted to see how he drove. It's incredible, isn't it? So wow. clearly, he's a bright guy. Clearly, he's got what it takes. Uh, I I fear a little bit that there's expectation in Finland and pressure coming from Finland to, to deliver results. What he has to remember is he's the third driver and as the third driver in the team, he has a job to do. He's the safety net. Mm -hmm. So his job is not to go out and win this rally and certainly not to go out and win Finland. 
His job is to be there to support the other two drivers. My question is, you know, will he be given that opportunity by the, uh, not the people around him, but, you know, the, the, the Finnish rally fans around him? That could be difficult to deal with. Yeah, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a little different with these newer cars, too. It's such a mm. fine line of, you know, the, driving them at the limit and then just backing off a little bit is a significant back off. And uh, trying to be that safety net, it's how far can you back off that yeah. limit and, yeah. and stay safety. It's just like a dramatic back down. Mm. Um, I'm sure it's a tougher thing for him to want to back down that much, you know, if he can find this limit and be comfortable with it. We may see him up front more than expected, and maybe not necessarily uh, being that third car, but actually attacking and being a little more, just because that's the way the cars are designed. Yeah, you and know? that's the way he will drive in those conditions, isn't it? You exactly, know? yeah. It'll be interesting, it'll be interesting. I think, by the way, that uh, Esapeka Lapi has got every chance of winning Estonia and Finland. I think his form right now, his confidence right now, he's the best, has been the best of the Hyundai drivers for quite some time, quite some time, probably all year, you would argue. Um, I'd love to see that because I, I, you, know, you talk about characters. Lappi is such a character. And you're, you talk about prodigious talents, and, and Lappi clearly showed that in his early days. And he lost his way a little bit, lost his way for a while. But he's coming, he's, he's come back to, to, to Hyundai. He's come to Hyundai, uh, and he's shown form that I certainly didn't expect. I really didn't expect. Not that I didn't think he had the talent and the ability, I just thought that car was too difficult to master. Um, but I think he's got a real chance, a real chance of taking a win, if not two wins, in the next two events. I feel like Lappy just needs a bit of luck uh, by this yes. point. There's been so many yes. opportunities where he's yes. been pulling ahead, he's been driving consistently. Um, it was the last event where, uh, I don't believe it was Kenya, but uh, where he got a flat tyre for no reason, pulled in and like, well, we swapped it out, but we lost time, pulled yeah. back through the next stage, we got the same flat tyre. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you see any of the onboards, any of the videos, nobody else is driving, uh, sorry, everybody else is driving the exact same line, but for some reason, Lappy got, the, got yeah. the worst of it. And you think just off the top of my head, like three or four occasions where it just went wrong for him at the worst possible time. Yeah. So, well, And then in, in Sardinia, where he effectively had to pull over to let uh, he didn't pull over, but, but he, he basically, once he saw Loeb was, not Loeb, Ogier was off the road, he knew he wasn't going to be allowed to finish ahead of Neuville, yeah. uh, so he backed right off. Yeah. Um, but you're right, you know, and I think the, the punctures you're talking about might have been Sweden, when he could have won Sweden. That, I think that's you what know, it was. He could thinking. have won Sweden, and, and he, he, I think he's been really, really impressive. And the thing with Lappi is he hasn't reached, as yet, that, that pinnacle. The pinnacle comes with experience and ability. You know, as the ability starts to drop off and the experience grows, you, you, you get to a point where you plateau and then you get to a point where actually you go down the other side. Even though you're getting more experience, the ability, the reaction times, you know, don't get compensated for by the, the experience. He is still on the upslope, you know, where his experience and his ability are still growing. He hasn't reached it, even though he's 30-odd. I think he's 30-something. Uh, there's still more to come from Lappy. I, I would agree. And it just shows, like, even the last two years... He, he had pace before, he was he was picking up speed, but like you mentioned, he kind of lost his way a little bit, started to get it back, and then he's just continued faster and faster since. I think it's great. I think it's great. We've got, we go to Estonia this week with four or five drivers, at least. We haven't mentioned Elvin Evans. Elvin Evans could win it. Uh, there, are, there are four or five drivers. Takamoto Katsuta could win it. You know, he's quick. We know how quick he is. Unlikely, he would need a lot of luck. Uh, but, um, you know, there are a number of drivers that can win this. I think it's going to be a great event. Uh, does anyone want to venture a one, two, three for me? Or is that a little bit, you know, a little bit too much? Shall I start yeah. to give you boys a bit of time? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah, give you my one, two, three. So my one, two, three is going to be for Estonia. 
uh, Lappy. I'm going to go with Rovenpera. And then I'm going to go with Tanak. Lappy, Rovenpera, Tanak. I think that's a strong one. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic and then play to some of my biases a little bit as well. Always uh, allowed. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Tanak. Uh, then I'm going to go... I'll go Lappy and then um, uh, Robin Barrett finish now. Right right I'm going to go with the wild card and say Newville Ooh. Lappy. Newville Robin to win. Barra. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, why not? Why it, not? You guys had that good test. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it, like I said, it's uh, you get that good test. Sometimes uh, it just clicks. And yeah. it, it may be one of those things where he yeah. hits the first stage and, and finds a good flow, and it, it's possible. Uh, and I'd love to see that, you know. Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, back home, folks, whatever your one, two, three is, do let us know through any of our channels. Uh, if you're accessing this podcast through our website, there's a comment section below. Just put a little comment in there. We love to hear your one, two, threes. Boys, it's been a tough, tough, tough few days here at the New England Forest Rally. I really appreciated you sitting down with us this morning. I know, I know you might not well have felt like it, but it's been really kind of you to sit, to share your thoughts about what uh, everyone's been through this weekend and obviously to share your thoughts on what's coming in the coming week. Uh, folks, thank you for joining us at Spin the Rally Pod. Rallying is a difficult sport at times, none, never more so than when we have the kind of weekends we've had here at the New England Forest Rally. Once again, our deepest condolences from everyone at Dirtfish to Aaron's family and friends. Uh, thanks for joining us on Spin the Rally Pod. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>